Hello and welcome to Counsel from Above, your place to ask questions from a counselor that you wish he would answer from God's Word. I am your host, Nathan Honeycutt, licensed professional counselor, minister of the Churches of Christ, getting an opportunity to talk about marriage today. We've got some interesting questions related specifically to three different uh, points of view, uh, positions in life, uh, questions related to marriage. And I really appreciate these questions. I'm getting a number of them, and I appreciate getting them. Remember, if you have questions, send them to me at counselfromabove at gmail.com. You can also send them to me through our Facebook page. Council from Above podcast. We are growing and growing, and we're certainly glad to continue to see that and continuing to provide great content and opportunities. Today, no guests. You're stuck with me today. I've got a number of them that I am trying to uh, get booked and get put in place, uh, but so many things going on this time of year and things that are happening. Uh, you're stuck with me today. So we're going to be talking about marriage. Three questions. First one uh, comes from Peggy. She says, how do you deal with and manage depression and loneliness due to the loss of a spouse? Wow, what a what a question! I, uh, I, I first let me kind of lead you back to maybe one of the, some of the earlier episodes in which we talk about depression. Uh, we talked about God's perspective. We talked about how God. Uh, encourages us to manage our depression. And so I, I encourage you that if you haven't heard that one yet, if you haven't gone back to listen to that one, to to take a listen to that one and just to kind of hear the things specifically coming from the life of, of Elijah and the things that kind of he was at that point. Obviously, Elijah was not in having depression due to the loss of a spouse. So that doesn't necessarily fit. But it, but what God provides there on how we manage our depression, I think is still fitting, uh, no matter the reason for the depression. So, so first I would say, take a listen to that part and, and kind of listen to the things that are in that, uh, in that podcast and in those things, but, but kind of moving on to the, to the specific question, and that is dealing with loneliness and the loss of a spouse, um, man, it is it is one of those things that the day you say I do is a day that goodbye is so far away. But as life goes on and as life continues and as things continue in life, ultimately that that time comes for so many that through through death, through, uh, relationship destruction through so many different things. There's a there's a loss of a spouse. There's a loss of that connection. There's a loss of that. And specifically, let's think about uh, losing a spouse related to death. You know, oftentimes um, there's there's this question, and and people ask it, and they say, um, you know, which would you like to to know? Would you like to be surprised the day that you died, or would you want someone to tell you the day it was going to happen. And, and we're all kind of divided in many different places. Uh, you can ask the question related to our spouse. Would you want to know the day or would you want to be surprised? Uh, the reality is, is both of them stink. Um, losing your spouse is, is, a, is a devastating experience. And, and I, I want us to think about, I want us to think about this from, from God's perspective and also from God's people. You know, it may, may be shocking, but to me, I think when I hear this question, one of the first uh, 
Bible people that came to my mind was Ruth. Ruth lost her spouse, so did um, her mother-in-law, and so did her sister-in-law. And, and they all struggled to try to manage what happens now. Something that I, I learned from Ruth here is, is that Ruth, Ruth gathered close to her family. She, she gathered close to those that loved her. And, and she, she, she grew in that bond. She grew in that relationship. She grew in that, that connection. And I think that oftentimes when it comes to the loneliness of losing a spouse, <clears throat> there's a importance to finding a connection. Some people find that connection in support groups. Sometimes find that connection in church groups. Sometimes they find that connection with their uh, children, if there are any, or with their um, uh, relatives, uh, siblings, things of that nature. And and I think that as Ruth drew closer to Naomi and grew closer to the family as they moved back into and closer to Naomi's family, that, that that bond began and that connection began and and that's where you begin to kind of get a, a grasp on the new norm. Uh, there, there's no way or, or nothing that's going to, uh, to replace that or to, to make that relationship uh, less valuable, therefore hurt less. Uh, and, and so thus you, you find ways to, to be able to still join together and connect together and have that embracing with other people, because that's that's really important uh, in our life, no matter what. That's why we got got married in the first place was to have a connection, was to have this life with someone else. But here's the other thing that I want us to remember: is that if I'm sad <clears throat> because my spouse died, that's a good thing. It, it's a it's a good thing to be sad when your spouse dies. Can you imagine just for a moment what's really going on if your spouse dies and it doesn't hurt and you're not sad? I mean, what does that say about the relationship, right? But by having that feeling of sadness, it means it was important. It means it was valuable. It means, means it had something of, of substance in your life. And embrace that substance. Embrace what has happened. Embrace that connection. Embrace that life together. Embrace those things and and appreciate them. Be thankful for them. Grief and loss has a lot more to do with looking in the future without versus looking behind and seeing what, what we had. And the more that I am able to walk forward appreciating where I have been, the easier it is to face the future without. And, and as we, we recognize that, man, I, I, miss, I miss this, I miss that, I miss, I, yeah, absolutely. But, but why do you miss it? Because of how great it was when you had it. And the thankfulness for that, the thankfulness of having that connection, of having that, that, that togetherness. And, and by embracing that and appreciating that, you take the next step in honor of what you had and an appreciation of thankfulness versus a dread for the next step. 
because as we walk on, we become their monument. We become their, their, their voice to remember. We become the people that says, you know what? This person's life was important and valuable. And we become the ones that make sure their life, their, their being continues to impact moving forward. You know, the second question I received came from an anonymous person. And this one kind of takes us off into a different arena and kind of in a, di- a different direction. Uh, the question is, is, as an older woman who's been married over 40 years, how is the best way to help younger women see the need to respect, submit, and to be the keepers of the home? So many times I hear comments from them about how little their husbands do for them when in reality they don't see the necessity of being the wife God wants them to be. You know, when it comes to the relationship of husband and wife and they're uh, working together, they're, they're living their lives with each other, uh, many times a lot of relationships are damaged and destroyed um, for, for this, uh, this mindset that says, I'll step when you step. So think of it this way. So if you've got two people that have a gap that's between them and both of them look at each other and says, I'm not going to move with a stubborn face and a stubborn voice. I'm not going to move until you step, you step first, you make the move first. And, and both stand there in this defiance towards one another, making and waiting for the other person to take the step as, as if there's some victory in that. Like there's some, some great thing to win because somehow, ha, you stepped first. And, and isn't that interesting that we are having a relationship that's all about I have to win and you have to lose, and, and if we have a relationship where I win and you lose, where's the benefit to the relationship? Where's the benefit to the couple? Where's the benefit to one another? Our relationship should not be about I get this and you don't. Our relationships as husbands and wives should be about fulfilling the other person. We think about the reason that man and woman was even created. You, you think about the purpose of woman was was provided to be the help meet, the help suitable, the help beside the man. And and together they stand beside. So together they're, they're working with one another. But to be able to do that, you have to step in even if the other one hasn't or isn't or, or wasn't. We, we still have a responsibility. We still have a, a, a requirement in our position in the relationship. Think about Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 21 first. It says, submit to each other to show respect for Christ. Now, I'm reading out of the IEB version, International English Bible. And the statement there is submit to each other to show respect for Christ. I, I, I am to provide for myself a humility a willingness to listen and willingness to work together because of my respect for Christ, because of my relationship to him, not, not because of what they did or didn't do, but because of who God is and my relationship to him. Verse 22 says, wives, you must put yourselves under your own husband's authority as you do for the Lord. My relationship to my husband, to the wives, he says, is to be just like that to the Lord. How do you treat God? Do you stand before Jesus and say, well, until you step, I won't. Until you do this, I won't. 
Or do we look to Jesus and say, you know what? I'm going to serve you because of who you are and my relationship and connection with you. Go on down then to verse 25, because the other side is mentioned as well. Husbands, he says, love your wives as Christ loved those who were called out by God. He gave his life for them. To the husbands, he continues, and he says there, uh, then in verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. The man who loves his wife loves himself. You know, many times we take and we may focus upon verse 22, ha, wives submit to me. And the man has to also understand that their response is to be out of love. If I'm going to stand and say, ha, do this or else, am I really showing love? Am I really showing a, a un, uh, you know, undes- a desire to do exactly what he, what God would want me to do and what is best for this person? Because agape love is not about me. It's about you. This love being mentioned is not about what's best for me, but it's the best. I, it's saying that I want what's best for you no matter what. I, I want what's best for you. And if that is how we are approaching and how we are presenting ourselves as, as husbands, then we are doing exactly what God wants. Stop, stop playing this, this view and this game that that has this you know mentality that says that that I have to win and you have to lose. If you're in a relationship, you're married to this person. It's about win-win. It's about working together. It's about being together. It's about having a relationship that lasts for a lifetime and that matters in the long run. I I think also about First Peter chapter three. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning then in verse number 1, he says, In the same way you wives must put yourselves under your own husband's authority. Some of them may not be persuaded by the message, but through the good lives of your wives, these husbands will by be won over without having to say a word. You'll notice the text very clearly indicates that the wife that he's talking about may not have a Christian spouse. But they're still responsible to serve God and to hold into that position. Now you go on to look at verse number seven. He says, in the same way, you husbands, as you live with your wives, you must understand that they are not as strong as you are. Treat them with honor. They will also receive the gift of life. You must not allow your prayers to be blocked. As the questioner, this particular one's asking specifically from the female side, from the wife's side, there's responsibilities for both sides. And anyone who stands with a stubborn and bullheaded thought that says, well, until you do your job, I won't do mine. How does that work with God? How is that going to be played out on the day of judgment? God, I would have served, I would have done this, I would have lived this way, I would have acted this way, I would have, I would have completed this role that you've asked me to do if he would have but done his job or if she would have but done her job. What? Come on. Is that how we're going to stand before God? Or should we stand before God and say, you know what? I gave, I did exactly what I thought was best. It, have you ever watched the movie Fireproof? It's an interesting movie because it deals with a similar thinking. You have two people, husband, wife, 
who are in a huge conflict, a huge problem in their relationship in the beginning. And one of the biggest reasons for the conflict is the selfishness from both sides and how they were fed up and so sick of the relationship because they were both acting and living from a selfish perspective. How do I get mine? How do I take care of me? How am I more important? Only as as the, the movie unfolds, you have the husband starting to realize he's got a responsibility to God whether she agrees or does or doesn't do it. Whether she lives that life or doesn't live that life, he still has a responsibility. It works both ways. And thus, as they both began to recognize their relationship to God and valuing that over their win over the other person, it all of a sudden began to make better sense. Their their true connection and reason they got married began to be healed and to begin to take over because it's when that relationship is about God and God first then the other things begin to get in line. So from God's word, specifically, we have a role to provide that God has provided us even if the other person chooses not to. We still have a role and a responsibility. The last one comes from Madeline. She says, giving biblical wisdom to young wives who do not want children, but whose husband does. This is another one of those questions that I, that I, I wish I could just say, tell me more. Because, you know, I think that for some people, there is this thinking mentality, whatever you want to call it, that says, well, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. You have to get married by a certain age. You have to have children by a certain time. Uh, if you don't want children, then you're all screwed up, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know the, kind of the drill, the, the, the thinking. I've got a number of, of friends and, and people that I'm connected with who, who aren't married, who are married and don't have children. And, I mean, I know they catch a lot of flack from people who, for whatever reason, I don't really know the reasoning, but for whatever reason, choose to open their mouth and, and cause more problems. But... In this particular question, uh, let's let's ask a couple of questions first. Number one, what was the conversation like before you got married? Because a lot of times when we're dating, we want to express our true place. Maybe we don't want children. And the time to present that would be in the beginning of the relationship um, when you weren't dating, before you were dating, uh, before you were married, before, uh, when you were dating. That's the best time to present that because then you can have that conversation. Is this a deal breaker? Is this acceptable? Is this not acceptable? Uh, is this, is this uh, what do I want from a relationship? What do I want from a marriage? You know, for some people, getting married is about the marriage, not about the children. Sometimes people don't want the children because it allows them to have more money and more time together and get to do stuff together. I mean, think about it. How many of us that have kids right now, you know, beg for someone to take them for a while so that we don't have to deal with them? I mean, how, how many of us are like, man, you know, yeah, take them, take them, go, go to grandparents, go, go to their house for a while so that, so that we can go spend time so that we can go do stuff together. You know, some people in their marriages are like, you know what? We, we would want it just to be about us. And, but, but listen to the question. 
And I don't want to I don't want to dismiss the question because the question's a good question. What what if what if the wife says no children but the husband wants children? How do you manage that conflict? Well, I think the first thing is 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 you have to begin to have a conversation that says what what do we want in our marriage? What do we want in our connection with one another? When it comes to a biblical perspective, if if we choose a spouse, if we get married, then according to Matthew 19 and verse 9, we are bound in that marriage. 1 Corinthians 7 says, and Romans chapter 7 says, as long as the spouse is alive, we are bound in that relationship. And so this change, if it's a change, this mindset, if it's not acceptable, doesn't give grounds to, to divorce and remarry. Matthew 19, 9 is very clear with that. But what do you what do you do? I think you begin to see the value of the relationship. How important is having this person in your life? How important is it to having that connection? For some people, they get married and they can't have children. So they have to learn to to kind of redefine what their marriage is, is going to be or be based upon or, or purpose therein. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's people change their minds. You know, I was always told the best form of birth control is watching somebody else's kid for a while. <laughs> you know, you watch them long enough, it's like, oh, I'll give this kid back. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, whatever the reasoning, whatever the thinking, you have to have a conversation. But here's, here's the other, spec, other aspect, and that is you have to listen, too. You know, it's one thing to point your case and to present your case. It's another to listen to the other person's perspective. True empathy listens to their place and sits in their seat and listens to where they're at and comes from their perspective versus trying to force their own. And that's the encouragement that I have in this particular case is sit down and listen. Talk about things. Ha- have conversations. Have, have that connections. To the spouse, to the husband, if, if having children in your life are really important to you and that's a value to you, go coach Little League. Go, go, go coach basketball teams. Go, they're all the time needing coaches. You, you want to have that connection with some kids? Go to the church family and, and teach Bible class. Go, go teach a third grade Bible class. Go, go, go teach a toddler class. I mean, shoot, I've even taught the cradle roll. Go, go teach a cradle roll class. You, you want a little baby time? Say, you know what? I'll watch the babies for a while. There, go for it. But, but focus on the relationship. Having that connection, having that, there was a reason this person became your spouse. Hold, hold to that value. Hold to that vow to be together, to join together, to appreciate one another. Because, because really, that's that's what marriage is about. It's about finding someone that can help you go to heaven. And when you find the person that can help you go to heaven, you work day and night to make sure 
that relationship is taken care of. Well, I sure appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening to the podcast and continuing to provide feedback. I encourage you to be a part of the program. Send me your questions. Provide uh, feedback. Answer the questions that I give on the Facebook page. Provide things. Jump in. But also tell your friends. Link other people to it. You find posts, share them, copy them, comment on them, like them. These are all things that helps other people find this resource a resource that is focused on finding God, knowing God, living the way God wants us to be, and always being willing to listen to Him. Send your questions to counselfromabove at gmail.com and let me get a chance to bring your question to air and to be able to talk together as we all strive in our life to be a people that listen to God's counsel from above.